Hello and welcome to another episode of the Life After Cardiac Arrest podcast with me, your host, Paul Swindell. Today's episode is about why cardiac arrests and heart attacks are not equal. And by that I mean, to the uninitiated, they are often considered to be the same. And I think prior to my event, I probably thought they probably were the same. But I think there's enough differences, and I'm not just talking about the physiological aspect of them, to be worth highlighting and perhaps educating some people. So I'll talk a little bit about what a heart attack is and what a cardiac arrest is, and also in the bigger picture and sort of hopefully give you an idea of why it annoys some cardiac arrest survivors when people say to them, oh, so you've had a heart attack. The simple fact is they're quite different events and the survival rate between them is quite there's quite a significant difference. Ten times more people survive a heart attack than do a cardiac arrest. And please don't think I'm trying to denigrate what a heart attack is because I know it's not a pleasant experience. And cardiac arrest and heart attacks are both serious medical emergencies and both require immediate medical attention. So what is a heart attack? Well, the medical term is myocardial infarction, or you'll quite often see it as abbreviated as MI. And essentially, it could be described as a plumbing problem, which is uh, to say it's a blockage in your coronary artery, um, and which causes part of your heart muscle to be starved of blood and oxygen. Most of them occur when a blood clot forms inside the artery after a fatty deposit has broken off from the artery wall. And according to the British Heart Foundation, over 200,000 UK hospital visits each year are due to heart attacks. But with the um, research that has been done in the last um, 20, 30, 40 years even, and consequently the resulting treatments, um, survival and um, the way people are treated has improved enormously. And in the 1960s, more than 7 out of 10 heart attacks in the UK were fatal. But today, at least 7 out of 10 people survive. So we've come a long way in relatively short um, space of time. Cardiac arrest... Um, can be defined as the cessation of cardiac mechanical activity confirmed by the absence of a detectable pulse, unresponsiveness and a cessation of breathing or agonal gasping respirations. An SCA, a sudden cardiac arrest, is where the cardiac arrest is unexpected and without obvious warning signs. You may also see this as abbreviated or written as OHCA or OOHCA, especially in medical um, reports and things like that. And that stands for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Um, And essentially they tend to treat in terms of reporting or studies in hospital and out-of-hospital cardiac arrest slightly differently. So for an SCA, the circulation of blood oxygen suddenly ceases due to the loss of mechanical heart function. And this is usually because of an electrical problem with the heart, otherwise known as arrhythmia. 
when that happens, the patient loses consciousness and inevitably dies if no resuscitation attempts are made. And in England in 2014, it was reported that around 30,000 cardiac arrests are treated. That's also true to say that there's probably a similar number who were not treated. You'll quite often see that more than 30,000 cardiac arrests, blah, 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 in the UK. But that's, that number is slightly an underestimate of how many there are in total because that number is just for the number of people that get treated. Because quite often, by the time the medical services turn up, it's too late because these need to be witnessed or responded to within a minute or two. Otherwise, the patient will be in a state you just can't bring them back from. As I said, mentioned before, I've got 10 reasons why I think um, there's a sort of differences between the two, apart from the obvious physiological aspect of them. Um, my first one would be to mention about the severities versus binary. Essentially, there are three severities or types of a heart attack, whereas a cardiac arrest, there is only one. You've got STEMI, which is a coronary artery, uh, or where the coronary artery becomes completely blocked and a large portion of the heart stops receiving blood. This is considered a major heart attack and can cause significant damage. And we've got an NSTEMI, which is a partially blocked coronary artery. It's still a serious situation, but it's less likely to cause um, serious damage. And then third, you've got a CAS, essentially a coronary spasm or unstable angina and can even be um, termed as a silent heart attack. This can often be mistaken for just muscle pain or indigestion. And it's worth saying that although it's usually no permanent damage occurs, it can increase the, the likelihood of further ones occurring in the future. And just to go back to the STEMI and NSTEMI, the abbreviation is um, the STEMI. The ST part means it, it comes from the, the pattern on the ECG and it, the ST is that segment and the E means it's been elevated. And the end of that STEMI is the MI, which is the myocardial infarction. And conversely for the N-STEMI, it's the same except the N stands for non-elevation, so the ST part of the ECG pattern wasn't raised. With the cardiac arrest, essentially it's a binary event. Although there are many causes of why a cardiac arrest can happen, the, the, you're either in arrest or you're not in arrest. And if you're in it and nothing is done, it's highly likely that that's the end of you. And as I mentioned earlier, the survival rate for heart attacks is roughly 70-80% these days, which is very good. Whereas for cardiac arrest, the survival rate is around 8%. It's often quoted as less than 1 in 10, but it's, it's around 8% uh, a survival rate. So we're talking roughly a factor of 10 times more people survive a heart attack compared to cardiac arrest. Number two is the state of consciousness. 
One of the big, big things about the difference between a cardiac arrest and a heart attack is the state of consciousness that the patient will be in. During a heart attack, the patient is usually conscious and the attack can be prolonged enough to give them a chance to summon medical attention or even get to medical attention. This means that they're going to get decent medical help straight away and should the situation deteriorate. And even with some basic household medicines like aspirin, you can sort of even prolong the, the rate of deterioration as well. However, if someone's having a cardiac arrest, the patient is unconscious and so they will be unable to help themselves or summon any help. And it's essentially the ultimate medical emergency because as soon as someone drops, you've literally got um, minutes to, to save their life. Whereas with a heart attack, if it's a serious heart attack, it can degenerate into a cardiac arrest and the situation is obviously um, becomes very very serious then but with the heart attack you the patient's usually awake number three is resuscitation let's make it clear a heart attack does not require cpr or an aed i'm going to say yet because as i mentioned before if a heart attack deteriorates um, and causes the heart to go into an arrhythmia then it's quite likely that it will go into cardiac arrest and you will need CPR and AED. But with someone who's in cardiac arrest, um, as I mentioned before, if you don't have someone do CPR or apply an AED, then it's highly unlikely that you will survive. There are cases of um, cardiac arrest spontaneously rectifying themselves without external medical intervention and that's called the Lazarus phenomenon and they're quite interesting cases and I will actually do a podcast on that in the future but for nearly 99% of other cases you will need uh, external medical help and that doesn't necessarily have to be professional medical help because 80% of cardiac arrests occur in a domestic situation. So it's highly likely that that initial help will be from a family member. And it's worth reiterating or mentioning that for someone to be involved in resuscitating someone else, it's quite a traumatic experience to go through and to, you know, practicing CPR on a, a resus any dummy is incredibly worthwhile because it gives you some experience of what it's like, but it, it is different from doing it on, on your loved one. Number four is cause. For most heart attacks, uh, it's, it's highly likely that you'll find out a cause because you would most likely be taken to a cath lab or even through a, a, an ECG you can tell some heart attack symptoms and that you will get an answer to why you're having a heart attack essentially, you know, whether you've got an occlusion in a particular artery. I must say that's not true for all heart attacks, but most. But for 
some causes of cardiac arrest, they are difficult to determine and may need further medical investigations or testing. Unfortunately, though, some of these tests, such as genetic ones, it seems to be quite a postcode lottery as to whether you actually get those tests. And so you can be left wondering what actually happened to you and whether it will happen to other family members you know whether they be siblings or children and within the sudden cardiac arrest uk group we tend to find that there's a disproportionate large number of people who are determined um, or diagnosed as idiopathic i.e they've got no known cause for their cardiac arrest and this is uh, at odds to the general population of cardiac arrest survivors where i believe it's probably um, 5-10% something like that and I su suspect it is because people don't find out a cause for their arrest they come looking for answers um, in the group number five is treatment for heart attack survivors there is um, or someone who has a heart attack there is an NHS care pathway which means everyone should get the correct treatment including rehab I mean, that's important to state that the rehab part, because both cardiac arrest survivors and heart attack survivors will usually get excellent treatment at the acute point when they're, they're brought into the hospital, whether it's via A&E or straight into a specialist heart attack stroke cardiac center. Quite often you'll get taken into a cath lab and receive an angiogram and then maybe receive... Um, uh, a stent uh, angioplasty the survival rate for heart attack has um, increased tremendously since the 1960s so it shows that that care pathway that's been put in place obviously is is working um, pretty well I'm not sure whether it's perfect or not I, I don't know these things never are they always can be improved upon but for cardiac arrest survivors there is no care pathway in place at the moment from the NHS or NICE which is the governing body in uh, England and so although they may get the initial treatments to fix or diagnose their cardiac issues many miss out on extra care and treatment post discharge uh, especially rehab and did a group a poll in the, the Southern Cardiac Arrest UK group about whether people got rehab and of those who had a heart attack 96% said that they did um, they got offered rehab and most of them report that it's uh, it's very worthwhile and a great experience and really helped them but unfortunately for those who didn't have a heart attack as the cause of their cardiac arrest only 35% did get that rehab offered and a further poll said that 96% of cardiac arrest survivors said that they felt like they needed more help post-discharge. This one could be seen to be a little bit controversial, which is about, this is my number six, which is choices, in that heart attacks or uh, heart disease, many people could be seen to be, it could be down to their choices that they make in their lifestyle, i.e. they're making bad choices, i.e. they're they're smoking, they've got a bad diet um, or they don't exercise at the required amount or 
But of course, not all not all heart attacks are, are due to that. Some of them can be down to um, genetics um, or something like called SCAD, sudden coronary artery dissection, I believe. But of course, you know, if you have a heart attack, um, hopefully, you can learn from the rehab that you you will get. Um, you'll get advice on all of those things, and so maybe you shouldn't have a, a repeat of the situation. Whereas perhaps this is less likely for other causes of a cardiac arrest. As I mentioned earlier, the main cause of cardiac arrest is a heart attack. So all of the above applies for those people who had a cardiac arrest. But there is a, a good proportion, and I think it probably around 30 to 40% of causes of cardiac arrest where lifestyle generally has no um, play on on the actual event. There are many people in the sudden cardiac arrest group who have led um, extremely good lifestyles and no smoking, great diet. They exercise regular. Um, so it's it's some some of it is just hereditary or something in their genes, and there's um, you know no warnings, no no obvious signs of why why they had that event there's no no choice on no conscious choice on their part number seven is the psychological aspect and i'm sure there is a a psychological aspect to anyone who has a a cardiac event but um but maybe for the sort of less severe heart attacks which are maybe even silent or um or can be fixed in a fairly routine procedure such as a a stent or even just via medications I, I, I really think that there'd be quite a magnitude of difference between that and what someone who goes through a cardiac arrest would be I mean at a minimum someone who has a cardiac arrest is going to be need to be resuscitated um I mean, they were essentially temporarily dead. Um, they would have been in ICU. They would have received all sorts of uh, medications and um, tests. And um, from all of that, it quite easily they could experience PTSD. And also that goes for the people that were involved in their resuscitation as well. As I mentioned earlier, it's quite often it's family members. And so this actual psychological aspect applies not just to the survivor but to the close partners and family members and of course there's many aspects of cardiac arrest or where you're in that sort of dead zone as it were that affects your body and your organs and your brain and so you can end up with many sequelae from from that event and if you need to know about sequelae you can uh, check out one of my previous podcasts as well but my point is that for the lesser end of the heart attack scale if you like they will still be conflated to be the same as what a cardiac arrest survival gone through from from someone who's uninitiated thinking that they're both the same that is Number eight, I just sort of touched on it there about the the sequelae from a cardiac arrest. It's highly likely that from a cardiac arrest, you will sustain a brain injury, whereas it's highly unlikely 
that you would from a heart attack. The typical brain comprises about 2% of the body's total weight, but uses 20% of its total energy and oxygen intake. And it only takes a few minutes for someone to be down before cells start dying and damage occurs. And I think headway, say, um, four minutes, but I've seen other sites and uh, medical studies saying about two minutes. So it's not very long at all. In a poll of group members about how long they were down for, 80% were down for more than five minutes indicating a large number are likely to have some level of of brain injury. A lot of those will be considered to be mild because most of the people in in the group will have they had any sort of a neurological or cognitive assessment they would have been um, assessed to be what's called good that's a CPC1 but even within that good rating you can still have some deficits and some outcomes from that brain injury. And as I mentioned, the brain injury can lead to to other issues, these sequelae, such as fatigue, memory, concentration. And I do recommend that you um, give the other podcast a, a listen to. Number nine on my list is an ICD. For cardiac arrest survivors who haven't had a heart attack as the cause, they will often have an ICD implanted. I mean, this this can be great in some ways because it can be a real comfort and a, an insurance policy, especially for those who were diagnosed as being idiopathic. But it does have darker side as well. It can be a source of complications, whether they're medical or, or lifestyle ones, because you can't do certain things if you've got an ICD and you have to be aware of certain things in in your life and environment it can have a knock and impact on your job if you happen to work with particular types of machinery but also you end up getting uh, suspended from driving for six months or sometimes more and that can obviously have an impact on on life and work and things like that but it's also deeper impact as well and it can cause anxiety and especially it, well, in the early months, you can worry about whether you're going to get shocked. Shocking you quite often will cause you to collapse. And obviously, if you're in a inopportune moment, collapsing will not be very good for you. For people who do get shocked, they find that their anxiety levels increase. And quite often that will cause a lot of other problems, can spiral into depression and things like that if they modify their lives and their medications and the situation isn't rectified. So it's the ICD, although it can be a comfort, can also be an issue for some people. And finally, it's one where we've got in the group a, a, a whole cohort of people who are affected by this situation. And it's number 10 is insurance. Because we've got a load of people, as I say, who have had a critical illness policy and they've been paying in it for many years. But unfortunately, if they had a cardiac arrest that wasn't caused by a heart attack, it's highly likely that they wouldn't have had a payout. And we've got quite a few people in the group um, who are under this category. But if they had a heart attack, the likelihood is that they would have got paid out because heart attack is considered a critical illness and it's only sort of policies that have been taken out probably in the last four or five years and not all of the insurers have updated it 
but their policies don't include cardiac arrest. And for some reason, being temporarily dead is not classed as critical, which is quite ridiculous and devastating for some who have paid many thousands of pounds in premium, expecting a payout at their time when they need it the most. So if you are listening to this and uh, you've got a critical illness policy and perhaps haven't had a cardiac arrest yet, I would strongly suggest that you check your policy wording. Likelihood is that you'll never need it, but if you do, you want to make sure that it does actually pay out. So that's my my list of uh, things of why I believe that people should know the difference between a cardiac arrest and, and a heart attack. Obviously, there are probably plenty more, and I've missed plenty, but let's just to give you a basic idea of some of the differences. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>